Welcome to the series where we teach you about the extraordinary fauna of New Zealand. We'll uncover everything about these animals, from the general knowledge to the biology. Exclusive interviews will show us how people work to keep them safe in a world where their home is shrinking fast. I'm Kevin Thew, and this is the Native New Zealand Podcast. When you hear the word kiwi, three images likely come to mind. A fuzzy brown fruit that's green on the inside, a hairy flatless bird, and a person from New Zealand. The word kiwi became associated with the people from New Zealand during the First World War. Adorned with kiwis on their regimental badges, New Zealanders soldiers often received the friendly nickname, kiwi, from others in their regiments. The name became a compliment synonymous with heroic and well-mannered, and soon, everyone from New Zealand embraced the nickname. The fruit, however, got a change in name in the 1970s, after it was previously known as the Chinese gooseberry. It was rebranded as the kiwi fruit in a marketing move by New Zealand plant breeders. The furry brown fruit somewhat resembled the New Zealand kiwi bird, and the name stuck. Now, enough of those kiwis, let's look at the actual kiwis, the national bird of New Zealand. I'm here at the kiwi enclosure at Willowbank Wildlife Reserve in Christchurch. There was a sign earlier back that said to be quiet while in here, so that's why I'm whispering. Um, I can see a north brown kiwi right now directly in front of me, five or six meters. I'm just pacing around behind some logs and trees. The enclosure is indoors. Um, this is so visitors can see the kiwi active, um, as the environment can be made dark. This is as um, kiwi are nocturnal. Being nocturnal means at nightfall they're active, foraging for insects, grubs, earthworms, fallen fruit, and native plants. Other night birds are equipped with big, powerful eyes so they can see at night. The kiwi is different. Kiwi's small eyes do not see as well at night. Instead, it feels, smells, and hears its way around. Kiwi's highly developed sense of smell is unusual in a bird. They are the only birds with nostrils at the end of their long beaks. This beak has more advantages than just smell. Kiwi have sensory pits at the tip of their beaks, which allow for them to sense prey moving underground. In fact, it is believed that feeling the prey's vibrations may be more important to a hungry kiwi than just smelling it. Instead, smell may be mainly used to explore the environment. The kiwi's sense of hearing is also unusually well-developed. Its ear openings are large and visible, and it will cock its head to direct its ear towards soft or distant noises. Its final strange nocturnal feature is that it has cat-like whiskers on its face and around the base of its beak. These super-sensitive wayfinding whiskers are likely to have evolved to help the bird feel its way through the dark. Through the day, they spend most of their time sleeping, but even its sleep is strange. A kiwi sleeps standing up, like many birds, it often turns its head back against its body, 
and tucks it under its wing. However, unlike other birds that have big wings and small beaks, this posture can make the kiwi look slightly ridiculous. Its 20 centimeter beak does not easily tuck around the tiny crooked stump of its vestigial wing. Although kiwi were not always nocturnal, recent research shows that moa monopolized resources during the day. Moa were large flightless birds, some species reaching 3.6 meters in height and 250 kilograms. They are thought to be the main reason that forced the early kiwi to become nocturnal in order to avoid competition. Their changes in vision and smell were similar to adaptations found in nocturnal mammals. Even with moa extinct, there are now new, more dangerous predators which mean being nocturnal is still slightly advantageous. In areas of New Zealand where introduced predators have been removed, such as sanctuaries, kiwi are often seen in daylight, further proving evidence that nocturnalism was an adaptation to avoid competition. There are five recognised species of kiwi, four of which are currently listed as vulnerable, and one of which is near-threatened, the rowi. This is mainly so because of these introduced mammals to New Zealand during European colonisation, though they are not the sole issue. So definitely when it comes to getting chicks up to an adult age, we do know that predators, and especially stoats, are one of the biggest reasons why that doesn't happen. Um, those chicks, when they're under six months or like one kilo, are just easy targets. And so right now, I'd say stoats are a huge issue. And if we were able to do the predator-free 2050, um, we'll definitely have one big hurdle overcome. But unfortunately, we know there are other problems um, like uh, habitat encroachment. So the fact that we are expanding into their territory, new roads going into their area um, are creating problems because then it's breaking up their habitat and they can't cross the road safely or they can't go through this building development like they would be able to. Um, but unfortunately, we also know that climate change is going to have a big impact on them. And already in the last couple of years, we know that um, there are some areas where drought is causing starvation because um, the ground's getting too hard and the birds can't find food. Um, and then flooding. So you have both extremes that are happening. And so that is going to be an issue in the future to be worried about. But 20, 20, 2050 prior to free will definitely help a lot. Yes, so the government is aiming to be predator-free by 2050. They aim to eradicate stoats, ferrets, weasels, rats, and possums from all of New Zealand. These species were chosen because collectively they inflict the worst damage of all the introduced predators of New Zealand's wildlife. These predators have driven the last wild roe population to a measly 500 in Okarita Forest. Okarita was designated as one of the five special kiwi sanctuaries in 2000. However, roe can now also be found on two predator-free islands in the Marlborough Sounds, following successful translocations of birds through a strong conservation program. Using the latest monitoring technology, they can keep a close eye on roe. To track roe, transmitters are attached to their legs. By monitoring the bird's activity levels, these intelligent transmitters let them know where the bird is, when an egg is laid, 
and when a chick hatches. Yeah, so Rowie are handled all、um, in situ for the most part, and then their eggs are brought into an ex situ environment. So that means that they are created in the Operation Nest Egg program. So the parents are left to their own business out in the wild, and then those eggs are then pulled from their nests. And brought into captive facilities, so like ours, for example. So the eggs are brought into us, and then、uh, hatched. The chicks are reared, and then eventually those chicks will end up back in the wild. Yes. So the North Island Browns are the kiwi that are being kept to be displayed in enclosures, as they are one of the most numerously found species of kiwi. Though keeping kiwi at enclosures or raising them, like with how the roe are done, bring many challenges. So I think the most challenging aspect is making their environment as、uh, natural as what they would have in the wild. So we can't obviously match what they get because in the wild they have much larger territories、um, that we just don't have enough space here to have every bird with a huge territory of their own.、Um, And you know, we try to mimic that by changing their environment. We add new things into it. We try to do. We do lots of enrichment, so bringing things into it、um, as a new rotten logs to tear apart、um, the birds in the nocturnal house. Have to. We try to make a whole day-night cycle that is completely separate from the day-night cycle that happens outside. So, I think that's the hardest part: is is really mimicking and getting. A true representation of what they would have in the wild, and then when it comes to our work with the roey chicks,、um, I think the tricky thing can sometimes happen if they have a complicated hatch. So if they're not hatching correctly, and we have to intervene, that automatically makes it more complicated,、um, and thankfully usually ends up just fine.、Um, but yeah, a little bit of stressful moments if it's a bad hatch. Kiwi's reproductive process is also quite long, partly of which most native animals to New Zealand share. Due to low body temperatures and metabolism, which adds to the difficulty when breeding roey. This low metabolism is also a factor to which kiwi can live up to 50 years. As mentioned in the interview, making suitable enclosures for kiwi are so difficult to replicate because of the large territories they inhabit in the wild. The size of territories range between two and a hundred hectares. Depending on the species and their location, within these territories, kiwi can have as many as fifty burrows dotted across. These burrows take many forms, depending on the species and the location. The bird uses their strong legs and claws to dig a burrow in the earth of a bank or a slope. Male kiwi fiercely protect their territories, so fights can be very rough. They involve high jumps and slashing blows, kicks and tears. A kiwi's sharp claws and powerful legs and feet can inflict fatal wounds. However, once territories are established, border disputes are usually resolved by less dangerous means. Birds call to mark the edge of their territory, and the sound can carry several kilometers. To avoid a confrontation, kiwis speed back into their home zone. Before returning their neighbor's call, these male kiwi can reach sexual maturity at 18 months, while females can lay their first eggs when they're about three to five years old. However, in Rowie, Operation Nest Egg has changed some breeding behavior. 
Birds that are re-released into their wild home tend to breed at an earlier age than those raised by their parents. It is thought that this is because wild-raised roe live in family groups, with young birds staying in their parents' territory for several years to help raise their siblings. Operation Nest Egg breaks these family ties, which means young birds released back into the sanctuary are free to mate sooner. The positive result is that Operation Nest Egg birds are helping boost Rowie's small population more quickly. The main breeding season runs from June to March, when food is most plentiful. The exception is for the brown kiwi in the North Island, which can lay eggs in any month. With no colourful plumage or a beautiful song to attract his mate, the male kiwi has developed a strategy of persistence. He follows her about grunting. If uninterested, she may run away or use her greater weight and size to see him off. However, if she is interested, mating takes place three or more times a night during the peak of activity. Kiwi are unusual among birds because once they've bonded as a pair, they usually stay together as a lifelong monogamous couple. Traditional gender roles are reversed. The female is bigger and dominates the male. This is also extremely rare among birds. Through these long bonds, divorces also happen especially in high kiwi density areas in Northland. Divorces can be caused by breeding failures or if a birds are young and early in their breeding career. The kiwi egg is six times bigger than other birds of a similar size. They are almost exactly the same size as eggs produced by the now extinct bushmower, a much bigger bird. Kiwi eggs also contain the largest proportion of yolk of any bird. This has led to speculation about whether the kiwi was once a much larger bird. The egg grows to take up 15-20% to of her body mass, and her pregnant belly bulges so much that it touches the ground. Just before the egg is laid, it takes up so much room inside the female, there is little left for food and she will fast for two or three days before laying. In most kiwi varieties, the typical clutch size is one egg. The exception is brown kiwi, which usually lay two eggs in a clutch, sometimes even three. Although enormous, the egg is laid quickly, and for brown kiwi and little spotted kiwi females, their work is then done. She leaves the burrow, and the male takes over incubating the egg. However, in other kiwi varieties, the male and female kiwi share incubation. Kiwi invests a lot of energy in incubating the eggs. The average incubation time is 70 to 80 days, more than twice what's normal for most birds, and about the same as the gestation period of a similar sized mammal. Unlike other birds, kiwi chicks don't have an egg tooth, which means hatching is a very exhausting job of kicking and pecking its way out. The hatching process can take up to three days. Eventually, 
the chick will make a tiny hole in the air-filled sac inside the end of the egg and breathe air for the first time. It may sleep for anything from 12 to 48 hours before kicking and pushing against the shell wall again until it breaks out. Around 90% of kiwi chicks born in the wild die within their first 6 months. 70% of them killed by stoats and cats. Only about 5% of kiwi chicks survive to adulthood. One of kiwi's main weaknesses to predators are its flightlessness. The reason New Zealand have so many flightless birds is that before humans arrived about a thousand years ago, there were no land mammals that preyed on birds. Predators were other birds such as the laughing owl, eagle, and falcon. With no mammalian predators sniffing them out, kiwi and other flightless birds could safely forage on the forest floor living and nesting on the ground. Since people arrived in the kiwi's land, the forest floor has become a place of threat and peril for all New Zealand's flightless birds. Flying takes a lot of energy. With the ground being safe, birds could save energy by walking. However, there is debate about whether kiwi evolved from a flightless ancestor or lost its ability to fly. Regardless, the kiwi does have a very small vestigial wing with the tiny cat-like claw at the end. This stumpy wing gave rise to the species name, Apteryx, meaning wingless. Kiwi are part of a diverse group of largely flightless birds known as ratites. Ratites include some of the world's largest birds like ostriches, emu, and the now extinct New Zealand moa. Kiwi are among the smallest of the ratites. Unlike most others, Kiwi have four toes instead of two or three, and their large, dinosauric feet means they can walk almost silently, their tread muffled by fleshy footpads. Kiwi are some very unique little balls of feathers. From producing the largest egg relative to its size, to using their beaks to feel their prey's vibration in the ground. I hope that through this episode, you've learned a lot about the kiwi, but as usual, I encourage you to keep researching and learning about this amazing bird. Many species of kiwi are endangered, especially the roe, which are at the brink of extinction. Though thankfully to many strong conservation programs such as Project Nest Egg, they are expected to grow slowly and steadily. Once again, big thanks to Willowbank Wildlife Reserve for letting us interview kiwi expert Bethany who taught us a lot about the methods taken on to protect kiwi, as well as some great education about them. They are able to be seen in the wild, so I'd urge you to research this, as there are plenty of forests and reserve around New Zealand where you can do so. Once again, I'm your host Kevin Thiel, and thank you for listening to the Native New Zealand Podcast.